The following is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. Welcome to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey. This is a weekly presentation with guests, ideas, information, and fun designed to improve your life from Real Country 1260 WBNR and 1420 WLNA. Hi, it's Casey, and I am so happy you are here to shine on today. If you need help making a change in life, think about calling Dorinda Gay. She can help you get the answers you need from your own inner wisdom. How do you do that? Begin to accept that you're bigger than where you go to work or who you're with or what car you drive or what house you own. And to really start to listen. That's Dorinda Gay from theuniversetoyou.com, and she's on the way. First, we talk of recovery with the adorable Lindsay Hall. She shines a light on recovery and eating disorders at her website, IHaven'tShavedIn6Weeks.com. She is Southern bred and New York stationed, but on her way to Denver? I, you know, it was, it's actually, it all came about because of my recovery, actually. I went on a recovery kind of solo trip. I was blogging about it because I, you know, when I was sick with my eating disorder, I didn't really, I didn't really do a whole lot because I was very structured and I did, I never wanted to go on vacation or do anything. And so once I've gotten better, I decided I wanted to kind of take this little nine-day hiking trip and go all over Colorado and, you know, hike everywhere and eat whatever I wanted to eat and just kind of feel free. And when I was there, I just fell in love with it. And so for the last six months, I've been thinking about going back and finally it just all kind of worked out. Wow. We are very happy to hear. So you started a blog called I Haven't Shaved in Six Weeks, All the Truths About Rehab and Eating Disorders. When did you start the blog? I actually started it about two years ago. It came from a Facebook status I made when I was actually in treatment because I was in treatment for about three months. And while I was in treatment, one of the things they really pushed was for us to kind of own our recovery and be honest and open about it. Be, I mean, you know, as open as we wanted to be about it because you can't leave, you know, you can't live in secrecy. And so I started, I made a Facebook status to like 1,500 Facebook friends and the response I received was absolutely overwhelming and wonderful. And I realized there are so many other people out there that struggle inwardly every single day. And so I just decided, you know, and I was getting questions, a lot of questions about treatment and how scary it was and what it was like and what the other patients were like. And so I just wrote this one blog post and that's why it was, I haven't shaved in six weeks because we weren't allowed to shave in, in the treatment facility. And I just started it from there and it really was only supposed to be about 10 or 11 posts. And now it's, you know, I've written hundreds of posts and it's been a wonderful opportunity. Wow. So you're talking about like shaving your legs right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I just wrote, I wrote where I've been. Yeah. I wrote that I've been in treatment and I wrote that, you know, I was thankful for everybody's support and that I had struggled with eating disorders for 10 years. And uh, really the responses I got back were most people were like, yeah, Lindsay, we knew that. I mean, we just didn't know what to say to you because you would never talk about it and you never wanted to address it. And so it was actually really eye opening once I did put it out there to realize like how many people did actually know and just didn't know what to do for me or what to say to me. What made you think you're friends wouldn't be on your side. I think it was more, you know, because it's Facebook and social media, a lot of these so-called friends weren't necessarily really friends and more just acquaintances right. um, or more just people I had maybe met out one time or twice or, you know, who knows how, how you connect this day on social media. But um, my, my real friends were absolutely supportive from the from the get-go. It was more just so that I could own my truth and yeah. really just stop hiding behind it because I was really tired of lying. I had lied my whole life and it was just no way to live. Yeah, they say, you know, when the, in the rooms, you're only as sick as your secrets, right? Right? That's mm-hmm. one of the catchphrases. So let me ask you this. Were you ticked off in any way that any of your friends hadn't brought it up? That's a good 
question. Um, I would say it was more towards, I was, there was definitely a lot of therapy that I had to have with my family. My family, I felt as though I was waiting for them because I didn't have my own voice back then. And now I realize, you know, when I struggle, I have to be the one that owns it. I have to be the one that voices it and says that I need help. Right. But at the time, I did feel like I was waiting for somebody, anybody to step in. And I guess there was probably a bit of resentment there. But I think through treatment and through a lot of family therapy, because my family is wonderful and very supportive, and they helped me get into treatment. But I think that we definitely had to talk that through a lot because yeah. I I felt like they ignored it. And they, of course, felt like I was just a very dedicated eater. <laughs> and they, they really didn't understand it at all. And I think I was so warped in it that I couldn't understand how they didn't know. Right. And now you know, as many have learned, you can live in a house with people and there are things they never see. No, or, absolutely. Or get. Even though you're, they're the closest to you, sometimes you're more invisible in your own home than you are anywhere else. Exactly, because you get so close, especially with my parents. My parents and I were so close, and at the time that my eating disorder was the worst was right after college, and I was living back at home. And so I just I was with them day in and day out. So, you know, in my parents' eyes, they saw me eat. They just didn't know what I was doing behind closed doors. They didn't know that I was running, you know, three or four times a day. They didn't know. They didn't understand it. And as I was shrinking... I don't think that they they saw it that way because I've always been, you know, I've always been like a normal weight person. I've never been overweight. I've never had any weight issues. And so I just think it was hard for them to see it. Okay. Let me ask you this. And this probably is a stupid question, but you have to forgive me that (laughs) because, you know, I'm trying to educate myself. Do you know why you were doing this? or what you were trying to control when you were doing this? What was going on when you were having this issue with eating? I've always had issues with eating, even as a little girl. It was my identity. I was very, very underweight as a child. Um, and I definitely use that as a way to feel good about myself because I grew up in an environment where I really did grow up very much in that madman kind of environment where everyone, all the mothers were very thin and we went to a school where everybody obsessed over their weight. And so it became, it was a thing, it was, body image was something that was talked about from as early as when I was seven or eight years old. And so it became very much like I wasn't the prettiest girl in school. I wasn't the smartest girl in school, but I was very, very thin and everyone was always commenting on it as I was growing up and I felt very lucky to have that and when I hit puberty I was wearing I actually had to wear a back brace for scoliosis Mm. and that was you know that was I I got teased a bit and bullied a little bit and I think my weight was something that I I depended on to have and when I hit puberty and was no longer underweight I really did not cope very well with transitioning into like looking like a normal adult woman I didn't like it at all I wanted to be thin and it just became a control mechanism my best and my best friend um, passed away when I was 18 and that's really where I say it started in the way that in, in the way that it it went for the next five years is that when he passed away I felt completely out of control as you would he uh, passed away tragically a very freak accident and after that I just started living in the gym because mm-hmm. I did not know how to handle that grief and I just I stayed in the gym so that way I didn't have to answer anyone's phone calls I could just sit on an elliptical or a treadmill for hours and hours and block out everything that was going on all that grief I didn't have to think about it and so I would say that's that's really where it started and then from there it just grows it becomes it, you know it overcomes you it becomes all that you can think and think about and do right i get that i get that thinking you know we've all been close to that in some way like i 
can control nothing else, but I can control how clean my apartment is. So take mm-hmm. your shoes off outside, and you know you can. People can get really hyper uh, vigilant about things that don't harm their health, but are just the same as right. as an eating disorder. All right, so let's assume here, uh, Lindsay Hall, that there are women, families, people you know, of all gender, listening right now, and we have listening both someone suffering from an eating disorder and someone in their family who perhaps isn't noticing. What can you say to those two groups of people? I think you have to, this is so hard for people when they're struggling with an eating disorder. I think so many people are afraid to come forward because I've received so many messages with the same kind of tone. People are afraid to come out and voice their struggles because they don't feel like they're sick enough. I have written countless articles on that, on that topic, on not being, on feeling like you're not sick enough. Because, you know, through 10 years in my eating disorder, half the reason I never voiced it is because I did not feel like I was sick. You know, I did not feel like I looked too sick. It, you know, I felt like if nobody was noticing, if nobody was freaking out about it, that I really, it was just, it must be all in my head. Mm. It must just be me, and I must just be thinking that I'm sick and being dramatic. That was something I always thought. I thought I was just very dramatic, and that really I was fine, and that everybody lived this way. And I think that that's, for someone that's struggling, your sickness matters, is what I want to say to anybody, is that it does not matter what your weight is. It doesn't matter how you look. If you know that you're struggling and you know it's taking over the happiness in your life and the complete joy, and you do know when it is, then you then you have every right to voice it. You have every right to talk about it. You have to ask for help. I think it's hard for people to find that voice, though. Um, mm. For parents, I think ta- I think if they're worried about their child... Uh, they need to talk about it, and, and their child's probably going to deny it because I know that I denied it when my family eventually started asking about it. Um, I did deny it because I was scared. It's absolutely it's terrifying, but as a parent, sometimes your child really does need you to step in. They just don't know how to say it, and, they, and they're scared. They are so scared. And treatment is absolutely terrifying. Why? Well, it's terrifying before you go to it um, because you don't have any idea what to expect. You know, my first day of treatment, I walked in and saw a girl try to run away and she stole a golf cart. (laughs) 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 No joke. It was absolutely, it's hilarious now. And I actually still know this girl. We keep in touch. But the first day that I was in there, I saw women that look like, I've never seen such sickness in my life because I was was sick, but I wasn't, you know, there were women that were hooked up to IVs. There were women that were in wheelchairs that couldn't walk anymore because they had, they were so emaciated and to see that it is it's terrifying because you realize like this sickness will kill you right and you know what i've learned from people who have gone into 12-step programs though the first time they step and i don't know if yours was a 12-step program but i I can relate to it this way the first time people step into an aa meeting or an al-anon meeting they'll look around the room and say i'm not i'm not like those people Right, exactly. Oh, yes. Well, that's what you do. Yeah, you compare yourself, especially with eating disorders. When I got in there, I immediately started comparing myself to everybody else. But by the end of it, I was a lot better about it. But it was still, yeah, the first day that I stepped in there, I felt that I didn't belong there because I wasn't thin enough or whatever I thought. And then you get to talking, and then you realize... I am just like these people, and I'm just where I'm supposed to be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've made some wonderful friendships through treatment. I highly recommend treatment. Every time I talk to somebody that's struggling, I immediately suggest treatment. I just think it. I think if you go into it and you want it, and you're really ready to feel better and to get better, treatment's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> you touched on it a little bit, Lindsay Hall. We're sp- speaking to Lindsay Hall, who wrote, I haven't shaved in six weeks, all the truth about rehab and eating disorders. Um, during your 10 years of having this disorder, did you 
you have any happiness or was it just lesser degrees of happiness? Oh, yeah. I, I would definitely, I mean, I have had a, you know, I, I still, even in, in treatment, I said this, I've had a blessed life, which is part of the reason I felt so guilty that I had an eating disorder is that I've had such a good, I've had a nice childhood. I had a beautiful family. I have wonderful friends. I did feel happiness. It's just that when I reflect back on my holidays, I always go back to the holidays because that's always a big one for people in terms of memories. But when I look back at my memories from Christmas or from Thanksgiving or Easter, I don't remember a lot of those years by the conversation or by my family or by, you know, how full I felt. I remember it by what I ate or didn't eat. And if I ran that day, I I can actually literally look at pictures and still remember what I ate that day if I look at a picture. Wow. Because I was so... That was all I cared about. I couldn't stop obsessing over it. I wrote down everything I ate. I wrote down every calorie. I, I mean, I just, your whole life becomes completely absorbed, self-absorbed. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't care about anybody else. And so did I feel happiness? Yes, I did at times. I mean, of course, I, I went to college. I enjoyed college. I had fun. But I, I was always, I was never present, I guess is the word I like to use. There was always a sense that I was somewhere else. Got it. All right. How can we support you now? How can we uh, support what you're doing now? Oh, well, um, I write a lot. I mean, just to to follow my blog, I would love for people to follow my blog and reach out. I absolutely love when people reach out to me. Um, I have so many nice pen pal relationships going on all over the world. And what I really hope to do with my blog is to create a community um, that other people can meet. I have loved being able to introduce women to other women and even men. Um, And I've been I've loved doing that and I've loved being able to talk to people. So if if people would love to follow my blog or love to write me, that, that keeps me in recovery and hopefully it keeps others as well and my web is i haven't shaved in six weeks.com <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun telling people that <laughs> Lindsay hall i love her i haven't shaved in six weeks.com if recovery is something you want to learn about she is the person to learn from next we go deep inside your inner wisdom to find the joy you're looking for This is the Health and Happiness Show with Casey on Real Country 1260 and 1420. Find out more and listen to previous shows online at caseyradio.com. Dr. David Bank at the Center for Dermatology, Laser, and Cosmetic Surgery in Mount Kisco is one of only 300 doctors in the U.S. trained to use Kybella. Kybella is an FDA-approved chin fat-removing drug. With this in-house procedure, you can now remove excess fat around the top of the neck known as double chin. This is a common concern for many, as this area is often too hard to conceal with clothing. Now, with up to six sessions, there is finally a non-surgical solution to dramatically enhance a person's appearance and self-esteem and give a more youthful look. The healing process is so minimal, you can expect to return to work in just days. Kybella is a permanent treatment. Even if you gain weight post-procedure, those areas treated still remain tight and slim. Schedule your consult with Dr. David Bank, 914-241-3003. That's 914-241-3003. And visit thecenterforderm.com. Hi, it's Casey, and I'm looking forward to meeting you at our Day of Health and Happiness, March 13th in Beacon. Find more at CaseyRadio.com. We're just weeks away. Right now, I want you to meet Dorinda Gay from TheUniverseToYou.com. She is an energy intuitive, a therapist who can help you go inside and find the wisdom that's waiting to bring you joy. 
Are you ready to let your intuition lead you? Dorinda says it's why we're here. Everyone on this planet, we, we experience things. We're here to experience and to live and to connect and to find that point of life that just makes us feel alive, preferably every single day. I um, have honed my own intuitive skill. Everyone has intuition. And when we allow that to be louder from the inside to structure our life and respond from there rather than the external world of cell phones and other people and everything else going on, we're just happier. We find those moments. We find those connections. We find that joy. I am a person that can plug into my own intuition. I've been trained to plug into my own intuition. I've been doing this work for 12 years. I've been studying this for about 15. But the bottom line, everyone has what I have. I've just spent the time really letting that voice come out. And so basically what I, I love people to know is if they want that space of change or they want that space of, oh, I love my coffee in the morning, but taking that moment just to be with that coffee, as crazy as that sounds, mm -hmm. it can change your whole way of living. We're talking to Dorinda Gay. We're talking about intuition. We're talking about being completely alive. We're talking about lots of things. And Dorinda, because I get up in the middle of the night to come to work, I actually fell into what you do a little bit. I have a great inner dialogue because when I get up in the morning, there isn't a lot of distraction. There's dark, you know, and, yep. and the shower and me. So I've developed this really great inner voice, you know, exactly. or even even when I'm standing in front of the in front of the uh, closet, the inner voice says, wear this, wear this, wear this. It's really cool. <laughs> However, when you were talking and you were explaining so beautifully what you do and you said the words and everyone can rely on this or something to that nature, you know, everyone can learn to live from this place right away. Something deep inside me screamed. But what if I get it wrong? <laughs> that is a that's a great question. I'm not laughing at it. It's just so you're so tuned in already, Casey. So here's the deal. Part of allowing that voice to come through is really accepting it. You learn to accept it as truth. You're going to go through the ups and downs of trial and error in life. And that's just really, you know, kind of growing up within, whether you're 3 or 30 or 300, to just let yourself go, this feels right. And if I don't do it this way, I'm going to feel funkier. I'm going to feel yeah. worse. Yeah. I need to do it this way. I love that you said about the clothes because actually when people are starting out, I go, put an orange in your hand. Do you want an orange or an apple? What right. color do you want to wear today? And that it actually, because everyone has this energy, this connection, when you wear a color or you have the right food in your hand and you're eating that food, you just feel better. And people don't necessarily make that connection. What I found, too, in my experimentation with this, because I am just an experimenter. You're the expert here. But in my experimentation, I've, tr I've come to not second guess. When I get the hit that says, do this, turn here, pick that up, talk to that person, if I obey immediately, it usually turns out pretty well. Bingo. That's exactly what we're talking about. Exactly. You, you've got it. And it's just really trusting that and letting your life lead. When we do that, and, you know, I teach people that it's crazy, it sounds, to put their cell phones down. Um, they don't realize how just having that cell phone as their connection stops that inner voice. Hey, we all love our cell phones. I'm mm -hmm. one of them. But it's just really finding that balance and trusting that, really just honing it, trusting it. Once you decide on that, then it helps you decide, do I want more kids with this person? Am I with this right person? Am I, is this the right time to buy a car? Is this the right time to retire? This could all be interpreted as new age, but this intuition, this inner voice helps you make huge life decisions. So the, the wisdom is within us. Absolutely. And we just have to turn down the volume so on the outside world, 
to let that voice come through and lead. Okay. So give us some pointers. How do we begin to live life this way? Okay, first thing is, is just to um, begin to accept that you're bigger than where you go to work or who you're with or what car you drive or what house you own. And to really start to listen. First thing, I actually love getting up in the morning as well. It is quiet. So people can either choose the morning or the evening and they can decide, choose. I'm going to take a minute just to sit and breathe. Now, people may go, that's crazy, that's simple, but we don't do it enough. Mm -hmm. Put your feet on the floor or lay back and just put your hand on your belly and just let yourself literally feel the breath going through your body. I guarantee you, nine out of 10 people who do this, 99 over 100, if you allow yourself two minutes to do that, you're going to feel calmer. And stuff will start to bubble up because it's there. Exactly. So when I get up, I grind my coffee, I have a whole coffee ritual, it's part of my day. Um, I allow myself quiet time. I do not get up and rush out in the world. That's the bottom line. Do not get up and rush out in the world. It takes me a long time to allow myself just to kind of little by little come into the world. So you you, you help people connect. You help people live in the moment. And what kind of people come to you? Mostly people who are looking for a change. They're not sure what's missing in life. I'm blessed to have an actual a cross-section of people from all walks of life that come. There are people who already are in the energy world, in the intuition world, and they come for energy healing. I have other people who come to just go, something's missing, I got pulled to you, um, how do you help me? So I can work with people in sessions one-on-one. Bottom line, if someone wants that spark in life every day, and it can, it can be very simple. We're not talking about big, grand ideas. Those are fun, too. But something simple every day, if they truly want that change, and there's going to be fear, and there's going to be kicking and screaming from, you know, everything you've done so far. But if you really want that change, to find that something that's not missing, I've got something for you. And because it's, it's the, if the person is ready to make a change, it can be a simple tool that they're just ready to commit to, we can find a way to connect them. The reason I do this work is because I am going through the, the same thing that many people are going through. We are sensitive. We find things overwhelming. We get distracted. And then we get overwhelmed or overstimulated by life. And so I have been trained, like I said, for the last 15 years I've been studying this, trained to figure out how to go within, but also how to live a, have this highly intuitive sense let my voice lead my life, but also finding the balance so that I'm not a hermit by any means. Mm. Um, I'm very active, I'm very social, but I also need my downtime. The reason I'm expressing this is because if you're out there and you're feeling overwhelmed and you're feeling like you just can't find something to grab onto, that is you being really affected by feeling everything else happening around you. And it's like the world gets loud. And when you find that balance and you let that voice come up and you let those moments become part of your day, your energy in your own body goes, oh, I can relax. I feel better. I've got something I can grab onto, even with everything else going on around me. And that stimulation can be joy or it can be chaos. But people who are very intuitive, and everyone is intuitive at some level, has some degree of, wow, I'm on overload, or I've got something missing, or something is just not connecting. That's why I call my company from the universe to you. I hear guides. It doesn't mean someone else has to hear guides, but I let guidance with my own voice 
create and build. Just like you, Casey, you said, you know, I'd go do this or I'd listen to this. It sort of turns out okay. I build things and create things in my business that I just know are the right thing and they seem to turn out okay. Would you like to live from that place of having deep connection to your inner voice? Or maybe you know someone who could use this kind of confidence and freedom? Visit Dorinda Gay at DorindaGay.com or from TheUniverseToYou.com. Okay, two dates to remember. March 6th, I'll be at 12 Grapes and Peekskill with my full motivational presentation, Everything I Need to Know I Learned on the Radio. Come sing along with the musical clips. And March 13th, we have breakfast and lunch and speakers and demos, a day of health and happiness in Beacon. Come, shine on. Get details at CaseyRadio.com. See you next week. You've been listening to the Health and Happiness Show with Casey. The content of the Health and Happiness Show is intended for general information purposes only. The Health and Happiness Show is a presentation of the Center for Dermatology, Cosmetic, and Laser Surgery in Mount Kisco. Recapture your youthful look with Dr. David Bank. Visit thecenterforderm.com. You'll be happy you did. You can listen to previously broadcast shows online at caseyradio.com. And join Casey for another edition of the Health and Happiness Show next Sunday morning on Real Country 1260 WBNR and 1420 WLNA.